welcome to this OLTV podcast series titled The Mystical Theology of the Eastern Church Fathers by Metropolitan Callistos of Diocleo. This seventh episode of 10 is part two of the teachings of St. Simeon, the New Theologian. I come now to the second of my talks on St. Simeon the New Theologian and here we could take as title St. Simeon and the Divine Light. I mentioned last time that uh, Simeon received during his life a series of visions of the Divine Light which had a decisive influence on his spiritual experience. And I mentioned how he received the first of these visions when he was still a layman, aged about 20. Let's look at his description of this first vision. He recounts how at this time he was serving daily in the household of a Byzantine nobleman, making daily visits to the court, much taken up in practical affairs. But at the same time, he went, uh, if possible, every day uh, to see his spiritual father, Simeon the Studite. And his spiritual father did not impose upon him a heavy rule. He simply uh, gave him a book by Mark the Monk to read, and he told him to say prayers in the evening. Simeon recounts how, listening to his conscience, he used to extend the period of his evening prayers. So often he was praying all through the night. And he tells us what happened to him one such night as he was deep in prayer. He mentions how he was shedding abundant tears and making many prostrations to the ground. While he was standing, says Simeon, he's speaking of himself in the third person, but it's no doubt this is his own personal experience. While he was standing and saying the prayer, God be merciful to me a sinner, more with his intellect than with his mouth, a divine radiance suddenly appeared in abundance from above and filled the whole room. When this happened, the young man lost all awareness of his surroundings and forgot whether he was in a house or under a roof. He saw nothing but light on every side and did not even know if he was standing on the ground. He was wholly united to non-material light. And so it seemed he had himself been 
turned into light, oblivious of all the world. He was overwhelmed with tears and with inexpressible joy and exultation. Then his intellect mounted to heaven, and he saw another light, clearer than that which was close at hand. In a strange and marvelous way, there appeared to him, standing close to that light, the holy old man equal to the angels of whom we spoke, the one who gave him the commandment and the book. When I heard this, I thought how greatly the intercession of that holy man had helped him. When this vision passed, and the young man came to himself again, as he told me, he was filled with joy and amazement, and wept with all his heart, and his tears were filled with sweetness. Then. So Simeon continues to say, he fell on his bed, and then he heard the cock crow. That probably means a signal given by a trumpet, which marked um, midnight. And soon after that, he heard the church bells ringing in the churches of Constantinople for matins. And he rose to sing psalms according to his usual custom and didn't think at all of sleeping during the whole of that night. So you see, there is Simeon's own account of his experience, which he tells in the third person, as if it was someone else who had recounted it to him. But it's certainly Simeon himself, because elsewhere he gives other accounts of this initial vision in the direct first person. And a first point that we notice here is the extreme importance of the spiritual father. We've already dwelt on that. In the vision of divine light, so he tells us, he sees the figure of the holy old man. That's to say, Simeon the Studite who had guided him. And speaking of him uh, as if he was another person who'd heard uh, this account, uh, Simeon says, when I heard this, I thought how greatly the intercession of that holy man had helped him. Notice the reference there to intercession. The spiritual guide helps the disciple not just by giving words of counsel, not just through what he says. He helps the spiritual disciple, especially through his prayers. The spiritual guide is an intercessor before God. Once a friend of mine went to visit a famous elder on Mount Athos, Father Paisios, now dead, who was greatly honored as a Geronter, an elder uh, who was himself a lay monk, wasn't a priest. 
and my friend didn't speak uh, Greek very well, so another monk came along with him to interpret. And at the end of the talk, which went on for more than an hour, uh, my friend said to Father Paisios, May I write to you sometimes? And Father Paisios said, No, don't write, but I will pray for you. When they left, the monk who had been acting of interpreter realized that my friend had felt Father Paisios' last words as a kind of rebuff, that he was hurt and disappointed when he was told not to write. So the monk said, you shouldn't worry that the elder told you not to write to him. The words of the elder are marvelous, but far, far better are his prayers. So in offering to pray for my friend, Father Paisios was offering not what was less, but what was more. There then is the first theme we notice in this vision. And then we might notice the prayer that Simeon is saying when the vision occurs. He is using the prayer of the publican in the story of the, uh, the publican and the Pharisee. The prayer, God be merciful to me, a sinner. This is close to the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's close to it, but it's not identical with it. In fact, in the writings of Simeon, abundant though they are, there is not a single reference to the Jesus prayer. There is a text attributed to Simeon called on the three ways of prayer and this does refer to the Jesus prayer and it describes a physical technique that can be used with the Jesus prayer but the general view today is this is not an authentic work of Simeon probably it's late perhaps from the 13th century. You can find it in volume 4 of the English Philokalia. So we should not assume that Orthodox spirituality is identical with the Jesus prayer. There are many great spiritual figures who don't in fact talk about the Jesus prayer. It is not mentioned by Simeon for that matter, it isn't mentioned by Maximus the Confessor or Isaac the Syrian. It's only right in the 14th century with the Hesychast controversy that the Jesus prayer begins to assume a central position in the spirituality of the Christian East. Then we notice the ecstatic nature of Simeon's vision. We are told that Simeon lost all awareness of his surroundings and forgot whether he was in a house or under a roof. 
So he passes into a kind of trance-like state. That is not invariable. In the story told by Nicholas Motufilo about some seraphim transfigured by the divine light, Motovilov and Simeon both remain fully conscious of each other. Motovilov comments on how the divine light is shining round them in the forest and illuminating the snowflakes that are falling continually. And Seraphim and Nicholas continue to talk to one another in a coherent way. So, the vision of divine light may be accompanied by a trance-like state, but it need not necessarily be so. We notice, furthermore, the double effect of the vision upon Simeon. Tears and joy. But tears, we should remember, in the Eastern Christian spiritual tradition are not necessarily a mark of sorrowful penitence. There can be bitter tears over our sins. But there can also be sweet tears, tears of joy, when we become aware of the extent and intensity of God's love for us. And Simeon's tears, we are told explicitly, were filled with sweetness. Actually, in his account of his vision, he says that before the vision, he was groaning. So only then the tears were more tears of sorrow. But at the end of the vision, he says he was filled with sweetness. So the vision of divine light may indeed bring home to us our own unworthiness, but chiefly it brings home to us the fact that we are greatly loved by God. In human relations, when we discover the love of another human person for us, that often brings us to tears. And so it is with the love of God. Now let's come to the heart of the story, the light that Simeon beholds. Now in the account I've read to you, he says that he was wholly united to non-material light. The light is perceived through the senses. Simeon here is surely describing to us a vision. He's not speaking just of some imaginary inward illumination, but of a light that he actually saw. But though the light is perceived through the senses, it is not itself physical, but it is non-material, spiritual, and divine. This is a theme that runs all through Simeon's teaching. 
The light is uncreated. It is eternal. As Simeon says in his hymns, Your light, my God, is you yourself. But in this vision that Simeon has, and in his later visions, the light has no shape or form. Simeon sees no figure or face of Christ within the light. It is an experience of total all-embracing luminosity and glory, but not a vision of a specific figure or face. Simeon simply says he saw nothing but light on every side. Simeon sees the figure of his spiritual father close to the light, but by contrast he doesn't see any figure in the light. And that is true in general of the Eastern Christian spiritual tradition. The vision of divine light is frequently affirmed, especially in the 14th century, as I shall be uh, saying in a later talk, but at the same time, the Christian East is very guarded about particular visions with shapes and figures in them. Hey everybody, it's Tarzan Bonanno just hopping in to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the OLTV podcast. If you enjoy what you're hearing, Press the follow button and the notification button so you are properly notified of when each episode comes out. On top of that, if you want to get more involved, we have questions and polls on the Spotify version of the podcast. This way, we can hear what you guys are thinking about each episode. And if you have any suggestions, we can move it through in further and newer episodes. Thank you so much. Now back to the show. So the light is divine, uncreated. It is God himself. And this divine light has upon Simeon a transforming effect. As he says in the account I read, it seemed to him that he himself had been transformed into light. So, beholding the divine light, the visionary becomes that which he sees. He becomes part of the light. He is transfigured into light. The divine glory is not simply external to him but it becomes something in which he participates. Now, in the 14th century, St. Gregory Palamas makes a distinction 
between the essence and the energies of God. And he says that the vision of the divine light is a participation in the divine energies, but that we never participate in God's essence. To all eternity, God remains transcendent, the above and the beyond, as well as being imminent, as well as being the one with whom we are united. Simeon does not systematically distinguish in this way between energies and essence. Palamat in the 14th century had to define things with greater precision because of controversies that had arisen. In Simeon's day, the vision of divine light was not controversial. He may have been a controversial because of what he said about the Holy Spirit and confession, or the way in which he honored his spiritual father. But I don't find any evidence that he was attacked for his visions of light. So it, it was in his day non-controversial. He did not need to define matters precisely. So sometimes Simeon treats the light as identical with God's energies, but he's not consistent. And occasionally he implies that we can be united with the divine essence. Now, after this first vision of the divine light, Simeon, by his own account, fell away and lapsed once more into a worldly form of life, living. Perhaps we shouldn't attach too much importance to this. In later life, the saints often accuse themselves of being great sinners in their early life. And no doubt they are speaking with full sincerity. But perhaps by our worldly standards, they weren't so sinful as all that. Anyway, Simeon says that he fell away he returned to his life uh, in the court and didn't receive for some time any further vision of the light. But then he did once more turn back and about seven years later, as we've seen, he chose to become a monk. But he tells us for a long time he did not see the light again. It wasn't something that happened to him every day. He longed to see the light. His first vision came as a kind of free gift, took him by surprise. Later he prayed to be granted once more a vision of the light, and this did not happen for quite a time. Yet, eventually, he did once more receive visions of the divine light. And he came to a particular point 
perhaps the second really decisive point in his life after that initial vision when Christ spoke to him out of the light he did not see the face or figure of Christ as I've said there was no form in the vision simply a total luminosity but the moment came when he heard the voice of the Savior speaking to him from within the light. With what gentleness did you speak to me? I am God, you replied, who became man for your sake, because you have sought me with your entire soul. See, from now on you shall be my brother, my fellow heir, and my friend. Until then, in Simeon's visions of the divine light, marvelous though they were, he had felt something to be lacking. Now he feels a new sense of assurance and fulfillment, hearing the voice of the Savior. And the words of the Savior are words of love. Now there are other aspects in the teaching of St. Simeon on which I can only touch briefly now. The first is that he is uh, strongly a sacramental theologian. With some writers on the Christian life, we are troubled because impressive though their teaching is, they do not speak much about the sacraments. This is not the case with Simeon. Simeon speaks, yes, of baptism, water baptism, that leads on to a second baptism, the baptism of tears. And he speaks also in vivid and realistic language about the Eucharist. As we saw, he celebrated the Divine Liturgy daily. He, continuing the teaching of his spiritual master, the Studite, insisted that we should never receive communion without tears. And he felt very strongly the real presence of Christ within the sacrament. Here, for example, is a passage from a thanksgiving that he wrote after communion. My blood has been mingled with your blood, and I know that I have been united also to your Godhead. I have become your most pure body, a member dazzling, a member truly sanctified, a member glorious, transparent, luminous. 
Where shall I sit? What shall I touch? Where shall I rest these limbs that have become your own? In what works or actions shall I employ these members that are terrible and divine? Here you see how Simeon underlines the physicality of the sacraments. We do not merely feed upon Christ with our soul, we feed upon him with our body. His body is united with our body. His blood becomes our blood. This brings us to another important point in Simeon's teaching. He has, as uh, St. Isaac had, as the Macarian homilies had, a holistic view of the human person. St. Maximus says, the body is deified along with the soul. And this is very much Simeon's perspective. He attaches full value to the words of St. Paul, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Glorify God with your body. I beseech you, brothers and sisters, offer your body as a living sacrifice to God. So Simeon underlines the sanctification of the total person, soul and body together. He writes, We become members of Christ, and Christ is made into our members. My hand is Christ, my foot is Christ, wretched though I am, and in my wretchedness I am Christ's hand, Christ's foot. And so all the members of each one of us will become members of Christ, and Christ will be our members. So the body is not just a lump of matter to be ignored. It is not just an obstacle and hindrance to be repressed. The body is to be rendered spiritual without thereby ceasing to be material. The body is to play a positive role in our life of prayer. It is the total person, body and soul together, that is hallowed and permeated by grace and glory. Ascetic self-denial is not a battle against the body, but for the body. Such is the mystical theology of Simeon, a theology of personal experience, but allowing for the role of the spiritual father, a theology of divine light, 
a theology of Christocentric encounter, a sacramental theology, a theology that insists with Paul that we are to glorify God with our body. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the OLTV Podcast. Every Thursday, we have these lectures, and every Monday, we have Jack's Corner, where I, your host, Tarzan Bonanno, sit down with our founder, Jack Figgle, and talk about the founding of the Orientale Lumen Foundation and the goal to bring together the Orthodox and Catholic churches. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing on Spotify or at our Locals page. The links for that are in the description below. Thank you, and God bless. Oh, no.